Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Linda Crater celebrate the thoughts and opinions of magnetic, spirited, and influential women. Each week, bold, brilliant women spark vigorous conversations on the complexities of life, love, and happiness. Now here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Crater. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Linda Crater and today is our entrepreneur show and I got to tell you, I love entrepreneurs mostly because I am one, but I get along really well with them and Mary Kay from Mary Kay Cosmetics in 1963, that's when it was founded, had this great quote, aerodynamically, the bumblebee shouldn't be able to fly. But the bumblebee doesn't know that. So it goes on flying anyway. And entrepreneurs, especially me, can be very different. Now, for those of you that don't know, I am Asperger's. I am OCD. I am on the spectrum, as are my kids. But see, I didn't know that when I was forming my business. I didn't know that missing the social cues of others meant I just believed I could, even though people are looking at me like you're crazy. And that whole business coach thing of reading between the lines, eh, again, missed it, just believed I could. So here I am. And that's one of the things that makes me different than I think other people. So I'm going to go and introduce our, our crew today. And this is a roundtable discussion. So pick up a glass of wine, or if you're like me, pick up your Diet Coke. And we're going to be talking today about the great things about entrepreneurs with Amy Eret from San Francisco, Marie from Dayton, Kimberly from Los Angeles, Frankie from Toronto, and Linda from Washington. DC. And if you want to learn more about these fantastic dynamic women, go to dynamicwomentalkradio.com, read their bios. But for now, we're going to spend time listening to them and what they think, and you can read about who they are. I'm going to go to Frankie Picasso in Toronto first and ask you, what makes you different? As an entrepreneur, someone very successful in her career, what makes you different? Well, you know, I'm going to say, first of all, like you, in my head, I think that you have to know that you can do it. So there's the confidence to know that you can do things, right? As entrepreneurs, I think that myself specifically, I think I share traits with entrepreneurs. And I think that everyone that I know is self-motivating. They're risk takers. They're dreamers. Mm-hmm. And and they you know, walk in a world where they know that they can do that. And I have to, you know, kudos to my dad who told me at a very young age that regardless if I was a girl or not, I could do or be anything I wanted to be. And I have kept that in my head my whole entire life. And whenever I wanted to do something, and I just had to think about it. Can I do this? And if it said yes, okay, I can do it. Hi. So uh, this is Amy um, Eret from San Francisco. Um, You know, it's a great question. uh, And the way that I think about it is that it sort of never dawned on me to not do it. And what I mean, what I mean by that is, you know, I just I, there's a certain kind of wiring that I think entrepreneurs have. As I say, we are we are somewhat crazy to kind of enter into this um, very risky endeavor with no guarantees and juggle everything else that's going on in our life. But I, it never dawned on me not to do it until people asked me, like. And it kind of dawned on me, like, maybe I should have thought about it differently. Um, you know, I, too, had uh, parents that were very um, progressive in, in for my time in life and uh, wanted me to know that I could do anything that I wanted to do if I just worked hard and set my, uh, set my sights on it. 
And so it just never dawned on me to do it any other way. Um, so that's the best way I'd answer it. Kimberly here. You know, it's interesting. Um, <clears throat> you both, well, you're, you're all identifying supportive parents. I was raised by wolves. I've talked about it before. Um, <laughs> truly, you're going to hear me howl in a moment. Um, I was told I could do anything I wanted as long as it was within civil service. I did my 25 and got out. Then I could do what I wanted with my life. Um, and Sandra, I love that you identified Asperger's and OCD. And I'll, I'll call you on the Asperger's and OCD and I'll raise you Bipolar. <laughs> oh my goodness! I Who's just more pills? <laughs> right, well, and I'm non-medicated, yeah. and I I choose non-medication for for the last 15 years. Um, I I am driven because of the biology that I have, and I'm driven to be independent because of that biology. So for me, I looked at everything my parents did and said and set out, and I went, that is so not going to work for me. Um, I, I need a tiara. I need my own country and I'm going to go start one over here. <laughs> you know, I, I always love the tiara reference. This is Linda. I think I knew I was different from the very beginning because I'm like my daisy plant in my garden that grows white daisies with yellow centers, but every summer it throws up one yellow flower and that's me. So I, I think that we're different because we tend to be problem resolvers. We always see a solution. It may send us in some odd directions sometimes. We are often described as impatient and intense, um, intimidating, uh, exhausting. But I think that we just can't be stopped. We're, we're very interesting in, in that we have high energy and that we're very enthused about whatever it is that we're putting our heart and minds into. And I, I really enjoy that part of the entrepreneurship experience. Hi, this is Marie, and I love being an entrepreneur. I'm definitely a risk taker, but I don't have the the qualities that some would consider. You know, we were talking about, um, you know, being like bossy and intimidating. I am definitely the least intimidating person <laughs> that I know of, but I'm definitely a risk taker, and that is definitely a quality that you need for entrepreneurship is not being afraid to go out and take risks because, as Madison was saying earlier, you there are no guarantees whether you're going to be successful, you're going to be profitable, or have losses. And it's just having that faith that you're providing a product and a service for somebody to make their life easier, and you're also providing jobs for people to help them build their families. You know, one of the things that I think is funny when I listen to you guys and I, you know, I think of myself, you know, there's a fine line between dedication and obsession. And <laughs> I'm going to give an example. Okay. Now, Linda Crater and I are business partners on, on many projects and she will call a client like she called one of our clients last year, like 56 times in a calendar year and, you know, got this great account for us, you know, really successful super saleswoman. I, however, 
Jennifer will call my boyfriend 56 times in a calendar year. And um, (laughs) we go from like, how many times should I call him is this obsessive behavior. And because I am obsessive by nature and I have everything color coordinated in my office and it is one of the keys to my success, I'll I'll give, uh, you know, credibility and credence to all that. It's a fine line between obsessive and then we're dedicated. So I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to uh, Kimberly this time. And I want to ask you, what's the difference in your life between obsessive and dedicated? Because over here in OCDville, it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> potato, potato. Um, it, seriously, it, I, I get called out by Mr. Rinaldi constantly for what he defines as obsessing, and I define it as being detail-oriented. Um, again, it's my genetic makeup. So, you know, where you're, you're having to decide is 56 calls to the boyfriend or 56 calls to the client obsessive, I look at it and go, why didn't you do 75? Because I want, I want a clean number, right? <laughs> 56 made me uncomfortable. I want 75. Um, for me, it's, it's a comfort level. I know I have to pay attention to details. I know I have to um, channel that energy. And sometimes I have to channel it into things that keep the balance. So it's a conscious application of the energy that drives me. So sometimes it's yoga, sometimes it's walking, sometimes it's eating healthy. But most of the time, it's stuff that is business development, because that's where I can really let that little gremlin monster run free. So it's, uh, it's Amy, um, you know, I people describe speed, and it's, um, you know, excessive. Um, and it, you know, it just, it just keeps on going. And I think for me, the issue is that I just know, again, how to do things on one speed. I think the downside of that is just, I have a very hard time sort of slowing down that speed and relaxing. And somebody was telling me once, it's hilarious, like you should meditate. And I'm like, that would be, that would be torture. Um, like, and I actually have learned to meditate and it's been a great thing in my life. Mm -hmm. I think the issue is that I just don't think I want to dispel something. I just don't think you can be an entrepreneur any other way. <laughs> I, I said the same thing as Frankie here. Meditation with is sleeping torture. with one eye open. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, why would anybody waste time doing that? Um, so, you know, I think it's sleeping with one eye open. It's like being hypervigilant. Um, and that's on, I think that's what it takes to be successful. Well, I think that, you know, obsession versus I'm not obsessed. I'm dedicated. Like I'll be up here, you know, at one o'clock in the morning, dedicated, but not obsessed because, you know, obsession says something different to me. It says, you know, you can't get it out of your head and I can get my stuff out of my head. I just like to close things, finish them off, but I'm not a detail person like you, Kimberly, at all. I'm a big picture person. I like other people to come in and do, you know, the hems and the, and the little beads and things like that. The virtual beads. (laughs) (laughs) I love I love the reference to speed because my mother used to describe me even as a teenager you have the accelerator down and occasionally you put on the brakes and I do think that that has been tempered over the years because I have learned that there's some value to patience and 
thinking things through as opposed to uh, reacting so quickly. Instead, I now respond. Um, but mm-hmm. I do think that we are pretty intense and we do move along rather quickly. So I, I love that part. And as far as obsessing, um, we covered that in our overthinking show. So I don't know that I obsess the way you're talking about obsessing. Um, I think that I would love to discuss after the break whether our opportunities for our companies were actually an obsession or was it an opportunity? Because I think there's two different things, and I fall into the opportunity uh, bucket. But at any rate, I would love to have you learn more about our Dynamic Women. So you want to go to dynamicwomentalkradio.com, and you can look at all our guest bios. And other shows, because this is one heck of an interesting roundtable discussion on topics of great universal attraction. Thank you so very much for listening. We're going on a short break. Don't leave us. We'll be right back after some short messages. Return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. The goal for each of us is to be active. Every day, I encourage you to get up and get moving. Put your body in motion and watch your mood change in a positive way. Your outlook on life improve, your energy increase, and many more affirmative things happen to you. Remember that you don't need to be an athlete in order to be fit. I hear that excuse quite a bit. Some people think that since they're not athletic, they can't be fit. Nothing could be further from the truth. It does not take athleticism to walk on a treadmill or outside. You don't have to be an athlete to swim laps in a pool or to take a yoga class. I'm not athletic, yet I am fit. So don't let your excuse for not being active be because you're not an athlete. No matter what your coordination level, you can be fit. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and Linda Crater of Dynamic Women Talk Radio, and we are also on the Good Radio Network, so you're going to want to check that out because we are syndicated, we are all over the planet, and we are visiting today with Amy from San Francisco, Marie from Dayton, Kimberly from Los Angeles, Frankie from Toronto, and Linda from Washington, D.C., and I am your host today, Sandra Beck, along with Linda Crater, and I'm coming to you from my little mountaintop hideaway where I stay away from people and only talk to people digitally. (laughs) makes my day my technology friend yes my technology friend and that gets me into the uh opening of the discussion today with obsession versus opportunity i have to say i am obsessed with technology i started on it when i was four years old and never looked back and i am obsessive about my electronics and i was able to transmute that into opportunity and build a series of companies in my lifetime and be a soul supporting mom of two little uh asperger ocd genetic offspring 
and and do this by myself. And it allowed me the opportunity to live the life I want, which is to be up on a mountaintop and be completely away from people until I want to be with people because people are overwhelming to me often. Now, I'm going to go to Marie in Dayton and talk to her about how did obsession play a role in the opportunity that you've used to build your company? Thank you, Sandra. I, mean, I love your story. Thank you both, Sandra and Linda, for allowing me to be here. I, I'll share something about myself with obsession versus opportunity. I was fired from my company. And when I could have obsessed over that and be stuck in these lawsuits because it, it truly was um, – not warranted. I was the top sales representative and I got fired because I sold too much. But I took that into an opportunity to, and I purchased the company and I built it. Now it's been seven years since I purchased the company. But a lot of times when we, we can become obsessive when we look at our mistakes and focus our, on our mistakes or adversities that come into our lives, or we can look at those adversities and those mistakes and look them, look at them as opportunities. Okay, well, opportunity. I feel the same exact way, which is I. Sorry, go, go ahead, Amy. Go ahead, Amy. Oh, sorry, sorry about that, guys. I said I, I look at um, opportunities as you know. I think every mistake in life is really a gift, um, and it takes a while to get to that place. But for me, um, every mistake I've ever made has been a gift of something that I needed to learn. And how do you take that and not sort of. Uh, uh, take it as a continuous learning opportunity. Um, I think that, uh, you know, certainly running a business can be torturous if you don't have that attitude, in my opinion. Um, the opportunities are really to look at what didn't go well and, you know, uh, basically make some alterations to how you're approaching that. So I think business is all about opportunity because you have to be an optimist, a, a cautious optimist, as I call it. Nice. Frankie here. You know, I, I, I have some Frankieisms, and one of them is that opportunities aren't lost. They're just not actioned upon. And one of the things that Lee Iacocca said that I love, here's a quote. We love our quotes. We're continually <laughs> faced by great opportunities, brilliantly disguised as insoluble problems. Now, my dad always said, if you want to create a business, find one that needs fixing and fix the problem, right? Find something that needs fixing, fix the problem. That's a great premise. It's not something that you need to obsess over, but it is an opportunity. And so opportunities, you know, come to everybody who wants one. You know, everybody has watched late night TV and saw some invention and went, man, I thought about that 10 years ago, but none of us made it. <laughs> none of us followed through on it. And that's, you know, that's the opportunity uh, disguised as, as a problem. Uh, you know, it's, that's it. That's all I can say about that. Um, yeah, go ahead. Who's next? <laughs> Kimberly. <laughs> Kimberly here. Um, I, I'm sitting holed up in a hotel room or hotel suite in Las Vegas. I do this about every six to eight weeks because of the obsessive behaviors that I have. I, like Sandra, need my time away from people, but I find that if I can pay people to carry things up to me and tip them, it makes it easier. Um, so hotel rooms, that's what I'm all about. And I'm I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you know, opportunities. I have, I'm currently primary or partnered in 13 businesses. Each and every one of them was something that came into my world that I enjoyed, I had a hand in, I wanted to do. And 
just the entrepreneurial, the business mindset that I have is if I want to do it, number one, how do I make it tax deductible? Because, you know, I want money benefit out of this. And then once I've done that, it's like, okay, well, now I want it profitable. So that is the linear path that my brain works in. And it's everything from I own an art gallery. Um, I'm co-owner in an art gallery, too. One of my businesses is um, paranormal investigating, high-end, done-for-you programs. We show up, we buy out locations, and that's what we do. In addition to coaching and radio station and, 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 um, I have a personal coach who every once in a while tasks me with, can you just find a freaking hobby and not turn it into a business? <laughs> oh, Kimberly, this is Linda. I I've heard that a hundred times myself because I'm a serial entrepreneur as well. Everything from pharmaceutical clinical development to telecoms to advertising to call centers um, and now obviously radio. And I my each time an idea came from watching the current status quo and saying, I could do that better and yeah. I would like to do it more creatively and more efficiently. And why couldn't we do this and that and the other thing, but they were for other people at the time. Um, and, and that wasn't going to work because it didn't fit the box that they had put around their business. So that was the start of my first and second business. The third came around because I needed, uh, I took a vendor and turned that into another business as an extension. And then other businesses came about, with staff development and, and helping other people to grow other businesses and, and also obsessions, if you want to call them that, with wanting to be the best at a niche business, which required a lot of expertise in six or seven different business areas to be really good. And I, I guess I've always believed that if you're going to do something, do it really well, but it was always opportunity that presented itself. It stood there and it was a voice in my head that said, you can do this better. So so try to work it in. And if it doesn't, go do it yourself. And it worked out beautifully. And I know we'll get to other deep topics in our entrepreneurship pathways. But mine was opportunity as opposed to obsession. I, I didn't obsess. I just went and did it. Well, I think that's one of the things like fear doesn't hold us back. But I will say that there's something that happens with entrepreneurs. I know it happened with me. I know it impacted my marriage and I divorce and it has impacted my kids, both in good and bad ways. That's why I, I use the word impact, not damage, because there's some some pros and cons to all this. But I hear from like my brothers and sisters and I won't call them muggles on the air. I'll just drop that out there. Um <laughs> But they get mad at me because they're like, you never put your work down. You never stop working. But here's the problem, girls. I love what I do. It doesn't feel like work. It's as natural as breathing to me. And if you take my work away, I'm like a toddler that you just ripped my lollipop out of my hands. And so balancing family relationship and health with what I love to do has proven a big challenge for me. And as I enter into my fifth decade, I'm, I'm really trying to figure that out. I'm going to go to Marie first. Hi, thank you. Yeah, that is a challenge having a, a balance. And I struggled with that um, early on. When I started one of my first businesses, I was a single mom with four kids and I traveled with them everywhere. And I saw a video 
of one of my kids playing it while we're at the hotel room. And I see myself typing on the computer uh-huh. and focusing on work while the kids are kind of acting crazy in the background. And that really hit me hard and helped me realize how important it is when you're with family, be with family and focus on your family. And when you're at work, focus on work. So, you know, that's also going back to the previous topic we were speaking about earlier is having that, you know, obsession or focus, focus on the task at hand. And I've made a cognizant effort to make sure that when I'm with family, I have my phone off and I'm focused on them. Good for you. Hi, it's Amy. Um, You know, this topic of work-life balance is just always something that I find completely fascinating um, because, well, I'm going to bring up a, you know, something sort of odd. I'm not sure. I I think this might be a gender issue um, in the sense of um, that uh, we women, you know, are juggling a lot of things. That's not to say men aren't. But my typical conversations with people about work-life balance is more with my women friends, um, not my male friends or even that's my true. male. The, mm-hmm. And and I think that's a very interesting thing, right? Because we kind of do it all, and I'm I love to I love doing it all. But I also think that there, you, um, somebody was saying something about their siblings that was, um, you know, they're asking you why don't you put your work down. I I'm wondering whether you were a man. They would say that. Um, and, and so I just, you know, it's just curious to me now, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I try to have work-life balance, but I love my work. And so I don't feel like I'm out of balance and, um, and I have a family that's fantastic. Um, and I prioritize, um, it's Frankie here. Excuse me. Um, are we 15 seconds to end? No, go ahead. Okay, go, Linda. No, 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 you can go. No, you oh. go. I only need 15 seconds. Oh, sorry. My apologies. Um, the, you know, this work-life balancing. Sandra, first of all, I want to say I see a gazillion pictures of you with your boys. You're hiking. Mm-hmm. You're going to concerts. You're doing stuff. So I, I don't think that they're um, losing any part of you at all. So, you know, let's put that one away. Thanks, I only had you. I only had one time <laughs> where my kids said to me, please don't ever do that again. And it's when I put on the world title. World title fight, the ISK world title fights for uh, kickboxing. I was the first female kickboxing promoter in the world. And it was night and day, literally 24 hours a day um, for months and months and months, nine months actually to birth it. And um, I didn't see my kids and I didn't have time for my kids. And it was became that became an obsession. Um, and they said, please don't ever do that again. And I never did. And I, I, I did it. And I got into other things um, and became a condom queen instead. <laughs> but, <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> yeah, you got to explain that one. Yeah, you do. Oh, okay. Well, one of the th- one of the things, that, you know, me, I'm all about social impact, right? So I, I started thinking, how can we get kids to use condoms? And one of the ways to do that, I thought, is that we could customize the packaging for them. And if they could put whatever message they wanted on the front, then they would be able, you know, they could take ownership for it and use them. And so I started with the college crowd and the university kids loved it. We sold a dozen packages to them, uh, a dozen different, even different sayings on, on, you know, a condom package with a condom inside. And, and away they went. And it took off and it was great i love the way you always have these these little snippets that i didn't know about you it's, <laughs> it's wonderful I, I i think that's really terrific um, we are 
coming up on another break it moves so quickly around here. But I think it's interesting. We're going to throw another quote in. Um, Thoreau says, the price of anything is how much life you're willing to give it. And it sounds to me like all of us felt that it was it was important for us to give a piece of life to that. But it's also important, and I think we've learned over time, to better balance our life with our work and that's not always easy to do we're going to go on a short break you're listening to dynamic women talk radio and we'll be right back we're dynamic women talk radio and we'll return after these short messages the man who had a fir tree growing in his lung? A 28-year-old male living in central Russia went to the hospital complaining of chest pain. And when doctors x-rayed his chest, they found what appeared to be a tumor in one of his lungs. However, upon closer inspection, they were amazed to find this tumor was actually a small fir tree complete with needles. The mopsicle face surgeon said he couldn't believe what he was seeing. What's another word for a skeptic? A pyronist. The five-centimeter branch was removed from the patient and kept by the tree surgeon for further examination. Doctors suggest the man might have inhaled a small bud, which then started to grow inside his body. What's the word for the fear of trees? Dendrophobia. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Back pain can really be a bother. Men's Health Magazine states that 80% of all men suffer from back pain. One of the best things you can do to ward off lower back problems is strengthen your abdominal muscles. 75% of all lower back problems can be prevented by building your ab muscles. When your abs are weak, the muscles in your buttocks and the back of your legs, your hamstrings, have to work harder to keep your spine stable. One of the easiest abdominal exercises is crunches. Keep your low back on the floor at all times. Squeeze your abdominals as you crunch up and lower slowly in a controlled manner. You can do several sets of crunches every day to strengthen your abs and beat back pain. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Amy Marie, Kimberly Frankie, and Linda, and we are talking today about entrepreneurial concepts. And I'd like to introduce the roundtable topic of corporate culture for versus personal values. Now, my first couple companies, I floundered around a little bit, but this last one, like, like this last one, I think I got it dialed in. And, you know, my core values that are really important to me are family, achievement, uh, friendship, humor and freedom. I'm a total freedom beater. I want everybody to be who they are and, you know, just be the way they were created because that's part of the beautiful fabric that makes up humanity. So my company is founded on that. And what a shock. I produce talk radio and freedom of speech is a big, big deal for me. So I have found a way to 
uh, weave in my core values to my business. And prior, I worked at CBS, I worked at Disney, I worked at Cobalt Banker, I worked at IBM, you know, I want to talk about square peg, round hole. Um, you know, that was tough for me. So aligning my personal values, my core values with my corporate culture is, again, just another way of seamlessly integrating my work life into my personal life so that it all becomes like one big, you know, happy balloon party, you know, until it's time to write the checks, then it's not a happy balloon party. But <laughs> but most of the time, it's a happy balloon party. So we're going to go to Kimberly first. Let's talk about core values versus your corporate culture you've created. You know, and it's it's interesting because I work with core values. That's one of the first things I do in coaching with people mm-hmm. is get them get them to identify what their values are. Most of the time they don't know. They frequently know what they don't want. And we'll have to reverse engineer it from there. But I know I I tell people you cannot compromise your values in interpersonal relationships. There there is just no way to do it successfully. You can't do that and expect happiness, fulfillment. You can, unfortunately, in your business and work dealings if you're working outside of your own business. You can you can go to work for somebody else and compromise your core values, but you have to know what you're compromising them for. You have to understand that it is not long-term sustainable, and you have to be realizing, you know, realize why you're doing it. And the perfect example, I, I, I spent 20 years in corporate health care, um, which had some key core values that aligned with me, but... Again, square peg, round hole, I ended up with massive health issues because of it. And when I stepped out, the health issues came from core values for me are honesty, um, the ability to have healthy boundaries, and the ability to stand in the place where I speak my truth. <laughs> yeah, health, yeah, healthcare, big pharma, let's, you know, it, it just, it was in absolute direct conflict. When I stepped into doing my own work and standing 100% in what I do, it made such a difference. And I tell people, know your core values, compromise them if you must, until you find what works for you. And that's why, like Sandra, I push people, for the love of God, start a business. Do do it. You, you will never regret it. Um, yeah, I, I have found a way to align corporate culture with my personal values by doing roundtables in my business. And... One of my mentors, Les Brown, says there's no way you can be dualistic. And what I found is most people agree that, like, honesty, as Kimberly was mentioning, everybody agrees that honesty is a good thing. Everybody wants honesty, good attitude, restraint. And so what we've done is we've chosen some key values and we go over them and we do roundtables with with all of our employees so that my values align with the employee's values and they know where we are. And it allows us to be raw and honest with each other because when we go over these values, they know, they know, they already know what your core values are based on your action steps. So it allows you to be honest about it and it allows them to be honest and help improve on some of these core values. Hi, it's Amy. Um, so this is such a great topic because it's kind of a mantra for how I believe people, uh, women weave in business and their life. And in our case, I run a company called Madison Reed, 
Uh, Madison Reed has reinvented hair color. Uh, and I'll get to why this weaves, this this answer uh, makes sense is that, you know, our corporate values um, are really about uh, love and responsibility and a social mission. And uh, our social mission is to dispel. lots of terrible ingredients in your hair color. And so um, we have the lowest chemical profile of a hair color. We send it to you in this gorgeous box. We help you color match uh, with technology as well as a call center that are all licensed certified colorists. Um, And so our core values are to love our our customers and to have you own your beauty. And that's some of my own core values um, in uh, my life. Uh, So the way that I look at it is I set up a company. I know my core values. My employees know the company's values. And then that makes good business because those values get translated to our customers. Um, Today, I'd love to give an offer to everyone uh, that's listening, which is 20. Yes. Listen, I think that confidence and hair go hand in hand. Um, You know, and confidence is one of those things that I believe that every woman is beautiful and I want every woman to feel confident and beautiful uh, in their own self. And so at Madison Reed, that's just our deep belief. So, you know, we call it welcome to a lifetime of good hair days. Um, and so, um, you know, 20 percent off uh, all of our hair color, all of our hair care for color treated hair. Uh, here's the promo code. I'm going to go slow, uh, which is XXOX. So like love, you know, XXOX. Amy, which is my name, A-M-Y-17. And uh, you're getting an offer uh, that nobody else is going to get. Um, and it's up to $250 of product. Wow. So thank you, Amy. Fabulous. See, and that's so amazing. It's we, uh, X. We want your hair O-X. to look at. Yep, Amy17. Yes, XXOX, Amy17. Sorry, Amy, you just broke up for a little bit there. So sure. for 20% off the hair color at madison-reed.com, XXOX, Amy17. And and Amy, I got to tell you, one of my like ninja secrets in my business is, you know, I've got this big head of blonde hair and I love to go into tech seminars because I'm <laughs> tall, I'm blonde, as my dad would say, I'm stacked. And, you know, I just don't fit the typical, you know, tech environment. So it's a big part of my signature. And thank you for helping women look and be their best. It's absolutely our pleasure. And um, I am just so uh, proud to share it with you because I think it's it's a big deal. It's emotional. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you well, named the company after your daughter. Didn't you? Yes. Yes. So I was going to I was going to say something about the work life balance. Maybe I'm rationalizing the work-life balance, because I named the company after my kid. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know if that gives me a free pass or whether that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I think that's a wonderful offer, um, Amy. And I'm sure that all of the listeners out there are going to be thrilled to try your product. How, how exciting is that? <laughs> I just want to, you know, I love the topic of corporate culture and values because like, like, um, Kimberly, values are the very first thing as a coach I work with my clients on too. Like, what do you value? What are your values? And values are, you know, they're internal to a corporation, but they're also external to the customer. And when customers, you know, feel like they're in alignment with the with the company's values, then they're more likely to come to us. And that is why, you know, with me and Social Impact and the Good Radio, um, it was built on on that value of mine that is freedom. It's 
you know, uh, generosity, flexibility, creativity. Those are my top values in love. And that's where I want my company to, to shine. So there you go. Um, when I worked in, in public sector, I worked for the government for seven years. Uh, and my job was to create programs and initiatives that would create, um, uh, good feeling within the company, so corporate culture, uh, without giving them money, and, and it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun to do that. You know, you have to be very creative to do that. But you know, the corporate culture changed, and the the um, the kind of people who who are engineers they they see things totally different than people like myself who see a smile as a measurement, as a performance measurement to something good. Where they would say, "Well, you know, how much money do they make? Do they make more money because they're more productive?" It doesn't it's not about that. You know. Culture can be measured in so many different ways, and I think it's important to know that and note that. Well, and that's one of the reasons, you know, that when you think about, like, we're on a podcast today, girls, and, you know, a podcast is really just a recording. And, yes, this podcast live streams, it's syndicated, it's produced, and then aired on lots of different networks. But what it allows us to do is to really heavily target our listeners. So we're speaking to like-minded women. You know, one of the things, the feedback that we get on dynamic women all the time is I found my tribe. Like, I love you women because I'm just like you and I feel alone in my town, my company, my, my, my school, whatever it is. That's the type of feedback we get. So, you know, being allowed to be on the air today and share these things is such a privilege with all of you. And I want to go to Kimberly, talk about your core values in your company. You know, and I, it's for me something that is so personal because I truly believe in empowering others. And, and this morning, my morning started at, at very early and I was working with a client developing her business. She's taking it to radio to lessons in joyful living. Um, and she was trying to identify what it is that she wants people to see from her. And that's, that's what people don't get it's when you are living your core values everything you do will exude that mm-hmm. because you you just it feels comfortable you feel at home i joke about wearing a tiara and no pants on thursdays um openly <laughs> <laughs> i learn more every show from you my dear right right no pants thursdays is a thing i actually have in my marketing that if i can work with you online um, and I don't have to put lipstick on or pants for that matter. It's going to make us both happier. Um, so when you find what those core values are and you really just live them, you find that you don't have to necessarily communicate them because they're part of the boundary system and the communication that you do inherently. And I think that's the key factor is really getting to know who you are. And I think as we get older, it becomes easier. I absolutely agree. This is Linda. I, I think that the corporate and the personal values were the same for me because mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to act any differently. That's that's how I am. But I, I think that all of these thoughts are so important, and I want to make sure our listeners know who we're talking to. So we're speaking to Amy Arrett from San Francisco, Marie Cosgrove, Dayton, Ohio, Frankie Picasso from Toronto, Kimberly Rinaldi from Los Angeles, I'm Linda Crater in Washington, D.C., and Sandra Beck is in Los Angeles, and we are all dynamic women talking to other dynamic women and those who love them. We're going on a short break. We'll be right back. We're Dynamic Women Talk Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. 
knows you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. But who wants to catch a fly? Flies are squick and repulsive. Flies have two wings, while all other insects have four. And they beat their wings 200 times per second. That's faster than a hummingbird. Flies jump up and backwards when taking off with an average speed of 5 miles per hour. What's the word for that annoying buzzing sound flies make? Pretinency. Pestologists tell us that flies' favorite color is red. Flies have kinesophobia. That's the fear of movement. So simply hang a plastic bag filled with water to keep the flies away. My only question would be, would a fly without wings be called a walk? I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Whether it's an anniversary, the holidays, a job promotion, a birthday, an event, or party, we have so many wonderful things to celebrate. Usually, celebrating involves food, and if you're not careful, you end up eating celebration food that you normally would not eat. Many times, we go from one celebration or event to another, and even though it's all good, our healthy eating can get off track. The way to combat that is to make healthy eating a lifestyle. I like the 80-20 rule. If you eat healthy, low-calorie food 80% of the time, it's not a problem to splurge or indulge in not-so-healthy foods 20% of the time. The 80-20 plan works and is a great way to make healthy eating a lifestyle. I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with these dynamic women who are talking about entrepreneurial topics today. And I'm going to close this segment out with crazy because I've been called crazy. I like being crazy. I embrace the crazy. And Steve Jobs had a great quote. And, you know, we love quotes on this show. So just grab your pen and get handy. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers and the round pegs and the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. But the only thing you can do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius because the ones who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. And Everybody on the show today has left a legacy in some way, shape, or form, whether it's a company, it's a a thought, a product, a different way of doing things, a system, even writing a snippet of code that makes something work that didn't work before is a huge legacy achievement. But I'm going to say the biggest achievement that I think I have made in my companies and with my kids is a thought. And I like to be thought of as a thought leader. And my thought that I'm going to leave as my legacy is, you know what? I'm different, and that's a good thing. And the very things that make me different, hard to understand, sometimes hard to be around, are the very gifts that once I have embraced them led me to greatness. So that's what my legacy is. I'm going to go to Kimberly first, and we're going to talk about your legacy. What's your legacy, my friend? You know, my legacy is about people really standing in ownership of their behavior, their thoughts, their beliefs, all of it. When you own it, you can change it. 
Um, if you are in that place where you're blaming everything outside around you um, for your circumstances, you're, you're not at cause. You're at effect. You are waiting for permission from external sources to allow you to change. And I grew up in really difficult circumstances. And I joke about, you know, being raised by wolves. But there was substance abuse, violence, domestic violence, sexual abuse. And until I owned that I was responsible for how I felt, how I responded at 28, how I was still blaming all of that, until I owned it, I couldn't change it. And it isn't about culpability or blame within. It's about from this point forward, this is mine to do with what I will. And the second half of that is it's not about whether the glass is half full or half empty. It's learning to be grateful for the damn glass. And that is a powerful place to be. I'm grateful for the damn glass, which means I'm grateful for every experience I've ever had. Now, try Amen. that. Amen. Yeah, try following that, Marie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that, Kimberly. Grateful for the damn glass. That is, that's awesome. And I, I believe we all, everybody leaves a legacy, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. But I would encourage more people to be entrepreneurs because everybody's waiting for everybody has a talent, a gift, something to give. And, you know, what would happen if we didn't have the cell phone? You know, our lives are completely different with the technology because people took risks. And Henry Ford says, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that quote. So it's Amy. Um, I... Uh... You know, we we do this uh, values clarification work in our company all the time where we have these little cards and people that come into the company figure out what are their top five values. And then they try to put a saying together of that. And I redid mine recently. And this is what came out of it. Uh, uh, I named myself the irreverent coach. Mm. And what do I mean by that? Um I sort of see myself in the world as somebody who pays it forward, who mentors people, who um, knows that you can never have a future unless you um, acknowledge your past. And that, um, but in that, I'm irreverent because I'm not willing to just accept the status quo. Uh, So uh, just not willing to accept it in anything, in a business model, in how people are treated in work, how customers are treated. So on one hand, a coach, and on the other hand, somebody who's incredibly irreverent in how she does that. I like that, Amy. Wow. Frankie, I, I think mm, I'm a freedom fighter. I've always been a freedom fighter. I want, I want people to be free. I want them to be free to speak. I want them to be free of injustice. I want them to be free to be educated. I want them to be free to have all sorts of, um, you know, freedoms. And, and so I, everything I do kind of stems around that freedom. Um, one quote that and I'm gonna, this is my dad's and it has really driven me my whole life. Um, anybody can do it with money. What can you do without it? And it just forces you to be more creative in everything that I do. And I love that. Uh, and you can, it, everything I've done has been without money, so it's pretty cool. But the, I think the legacy I'm leaving now is about social impact. And with a good radio, it is really talk radio that does a world of good. And it does a world of good, not just talking about doing a world of good, but actually doing a world of good and changing lives, literally, um, saving animals, changing, you know, getting people educated, 
sanctuaries for lions, tigers, and bears, and donkeys, and all kinds of stuff. Whatever, whatever my focus goes to, whatever I think I can help, rhinos, you know, that's where I'm going to go. And, and free free all of them from the injustice or, or from whatever is imprisoning them. And I love that. You are such a warm, caring person. I love that. I, this is Linda. I think that what my legacy is and what I'm proudest of was creating leaders who were warm, caring, and supportive because that's not always possible. There, there are other cultures, as you know, where – People are mean, and mm-hmm. you, you get ahead by climbing over the backs of other people. We set extremely high standards, and as will often happen when you do set high standards, people rise to them. So you actually bring out the best. So the legacy that I hope that I am leaving um, with a lot of families who have gone through my various companies is a warm but demanding culture that raises the bar that makes them the best that they can be because I saw – best before they saw their best, their potential. And and even though some people sometimes complained that I had very high expectations, we only had a 3% turnover rate over eight years. And that's a pretty darn good legacy. The other thing I would say that I have provided to my children and to those who work for me is persistence. Because it even if you fail once, you get up again. What is it? Fall, town nine, fall, bleh, fall down nine times? get up 10. And it's true. So we don't give up, we entrepreneurs. Well, I think giving up is not in my nature. Like, like, there's a lot of movie quotes that are like, you know, failure is not an option. And but I will tell you, as a soul supporting, you know, I'm 3000 miles away from my family, I care for my 83 year old dad, you guys listen to my stories on Mm -hmm. Facebook about, you know, the craziness that goes in our house when you got a, you know, boys from eight to 80. But failure is not an option. Making money is not an option. And I have closed companies to open companies. It's Mm -hmm. a constant reinvention. And every time I reinvent a company, I reinvent myself as well, because it's so intertwined. I'm going to go to Amy uh, and ask her, Amy, when you did this latest company, Madison Reed, um, it's named after your daughter, I get that. But but what was that part of you that's what was the one thing that you saw needed fixing? That women um, are willing to settle for products uh, in the name of beauty so yeah. that the, that vanity will trump all uh, and that it didn't have to be that way. So what what motivated me was huge market that's had no innovation, both on the salon side and on the at home side. And in fact, women that color their hair at home, we did a lot of work. They feel ashamed of that. Imagine. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, the, oh, so easily, easily. You know, yeah, when I used to exactly. dump a box on my head, it was because I couldn't afford the money or the time to go to a salon. And, you know, people would always say I have great hair, right. but I'm not going to say I got it for like $4 and 99 cents at the drugstore. That's yeah, not exactly. beauty. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we just, I just decided that there was going to be a better way. And I was going to take on the big CPG companies to dispel what they've educated women. And that's what we've done. And, you know, we're we're uh, we're we're doing really, really well. The next thing we're doing is we're blowing up the salon industry by giving you places to go to called color bars where you can be in and out less than an hour for sixty dollars and get your roots done. So um, anyway, you know, I just saw a market opportunity, but a social opportunity. Mm hmm. 
I love that. I love that. Kimberly here. I have to ask Amy, will purple and blue be on the menu at some point? Cause it's, it, you know. yeah, purple is on the menu now. You can get purple. <gasps> Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, you can you can get uh, you can get a form of blue, uh, and there'll be more fun colors. Uh, there's some fun. They're called vibrant colors, but they're there. Awesome, awesome. I will be going. I, I've been a redhead for <laughs> most of my life, and I've decided purple and blue at fifty are where I need to be. Um, you know what? And I love the I love Amy that you were bringing up that that settling concept. It's the painful shoe. I'm here in Vegas. I'm looking at all these fabulous young ladies with painful, ugly horribly high shoes. And I'm thinking at some point you're going to come to understand that being comfortable in who you are and being comfortable in what you do is more important than how things look. And I think that is paramount to what we should be doing in our lives. I think that's paramount to our business. I think that's paramount to our personal life. Um, Yes, we do better when we feel good about ourselves, but um, frankly, I think that truth, that honesty of not worrying about what the trappings of other people look at you with the eyes with which they look at you are the important thing. It's how you feel about yourself. And right now I feel fabulous with purple hair and I'm 50 (laughs) and there are people who are telling me that I need to grow up and I laugh at them wholly and completely Mm -hmm. because you know what? This is what makes me happy today. Tomorrow it may be something different. So can I jump in? This is, I I just want to mention that I think what we do I think joy is so important. Joy and laughter and even being silly because we we are hardworking. We are intense and we work really hard to do good things for you know our market, but also the people who work with us. So I really like to insert joy wherever I can go and silliness too. All right, I'm going to give that code again for Madison uh, dot read. What is it? Madison dash Madison read dot com. Mm-hmm. And it's XXOX, yep. like hugs and kisses. Amy, like our guest today, A-M-Y and 17, the number seven. So XXOX, Amy 17. Thank you, ladies. It's been such a pleasure to spend time together again. I love these dynamic women. And we are closing up our show. It's gone fast as usual. We'll be back again next week with another show and more dynamic women. Thank you for listening today to Dynamic Women Talk Radio. Talk with you next week. Thank you for tuning in today to Dynamic Women Talk Radio and join us each week. You can find more shows on dynamicwomentalkradio.com.